Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast. I am your host, Brian Castle, and with me, as always, is the amazing co-host, Chris Reardon. Chris is the Director of Development, and I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth Advisors. Our promise with this show is to share the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from so you can make money quickly and easily by investing. Each episode will detail the most important market updates and how best to benefit from them. And we will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting markets and other investment opportunities. So to maximize every episode's value, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com to download, quote, 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals, unquote. Trust us, this free gift will be your cheat sheet for reaching your financial goals in the shortest possible time. And to see all the best and most valuable moments from this episode, please go to Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, let's see what's happening in the financial markets. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Four Stars Today's Market Explained podcast. Uh, Yours truly, Brian Castle, and I'm here with uh, my uh, trusty friend, companion, sidekick. You know, you're many things, Chris. Uh, You're also the director of development of Four Star, Mr. Chris Reard. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Glad to be here. Glad to talk a little bit about the market. And uh, dad of young kids and new (laughs) new homeowner in the suburbs. Uh, Correct. uh, Good luck with that, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. We finally actually just sold our place in Chicago yesterday, close. So uh, we're nice. fully in the suburbs now. Okay. Well, that's uh, your life's over, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, so uh, Chris, tell us what's going on with the markets, and then we'll get into discussion of the extreme environment that we've been in. Where are we on the positioning between the different asset classes? Well, we, we've seen a little bit of a shakeup, uh, but no major changes as far as positioning. Uh, but commodities still holds the number one position. It did lose four points uh, from the last podcast, which was kind of um, mid-May. Um, uh, uh, so it's at 316 now. So some slight weakening there, uh, but but still holding strong in the number one position. Uh, the biggest drop was actually in domestic equities. It lost 24 points. Uh, and actually dropped below the 200 uh, point mark. So it's at 199 now in the number two position. Uh, International equities gained five points, so it's at 184. Uh, So we could see potentially, if these trends continue, we could see international uh, jump domestic equities in the coming week. Um, That's a potential. Uh, Cash is in the number fourth position. It gained six points. It's at 166. So it is also climbing fast. Um, and potentially, if we have uh, a strong downward week, we could also see cash even jump into that number two position. Really kind of up for grabs, uh, depending. Uh, then fixed income is in fifth. It gained 10 points, and it's at 140. And currencies are still in sixth. It gained seven points uh, and is at 86. So uh, really, the number one and two positions were winners, if you will. They, they lost um, since the last podcast. And the bottom four uh, gained. Uh, the biggest gain actually came in the form of fixed income, uh, and then the rest uh, were, were relatively around the same five, uh, six uh, point gains. Interesting. So we're seeing uh, bear market tendencies, uh, although um, even though we're seeing those numbers now, we just had a huge rally in the market. Now today things are selling off again. Uh, we'll see if the uh, previous lows hold, but um, you know clearly and it's an extreme time in the market. Um, but the big rally, five, six percent in the indexes last week, didn't really trigger any really big changes 
in the asset classes um, that would lead to better uh, better markets, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, the market we're in now is, is very volatile, uh, both the upside and downside. And it's a, it's a very much um, event-driven market. You know, we get these news comes out about the Fed or China lockdowns, ease, you know, news eases out. And then the markets like to pop off of that. Um, and then the, what we've seen lately, actually, it's interesting is you kind of have like last week, uh, heavy movement upwards off of uh, maybe the Fed being a little bit more uh, dovish or thoughts of dovish dovishness. And then this week, I think yesterday, we had a move downwards because more news trickled out the Fed was not dovish and that that was very unlikely. So it's a lot of back and forth going on, really, what we're seeing in the markets now. It really is. And, uh, you know, so just just uh, to kind of recap, as of the 20th of, of May, S&P dipped into bear market territory intraday down 20.8%. And then it didn't close below below bear market territory um, and, and uh, down 19% from the high as of the close of that day. Then last week, we had a 6% rally. Uh, so that doesn't mean it, it goes back to down 14. If you do the math, it's not necessarily just you know adding six back. It's six on that previous base. So it's about a 5% re- retrace. But nonetheless, uh, you know, the markets obviously have sold off hard. We're having a little bit of a rally. Many think this is a bear market rally and that we're going to go lower. Uh, we will wait and see. The probability is, is that it is a bear market rally. Um, but we're delighted if that would be the wrong um, decision and the wrong um, you know, movement of the market from here. But uh, we have to obviously be very protective until we get strong enough signals, Chris, to get back involved and, and take risk again. Um, money is leaving every asset class $6.2 billion left uh, the equity market, $11 billion left the bond market, which has been really, really, really hurt here. The worst bond market that anyone can remember in American history. $19.7 million left, billion left cash and went to other things. And then also a couple billion left gold uh, over the last few weeks. So for those of you um, uh, you know, watching those gold commercials, they don't talk about that part. People were selling gold and then there was a little bit of a rally in gold, but you know, there's not much talk about how gold trades. Bitcoin fell in half. Uh, there was a Bitcoin billionaire worth 13 billion, then 8.8 billion at the beginning of this year, now worth about 1.9 billion. It's shocking um, how things have, have turned. Um, and some of the strategists are still saying, Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley, saying we're going down to 3,400 on the S&P 500, which is about 20% below this level. It's entirely possible. Jeremy Siegel um, from uh, Wisdom Tree thinks we might not have a recession, but who knows where stock prices could go. And then uh, Bob um, B of A strategist, Mike Hartnett, says he sees capitulation with money leaving every asset class. Folks are even leaving Apple and other stocks that have held up. So um, we are unsure on when this market will bottom. It might have bottomed, but usually when markets bottom, we find out about it after the fact. We'll only know if there's strength that's sustained. We rally, we retest the lows, rally again, retest those lows, and we start moving in a positive seesaw direction upward. That's when we know that there's a a strong market again. And that's when that's enough evidence for us to get back in the market where we're, we're at maximum cash levels, maximum protection, 
We've only done this six times in my career, Chris, of 28 years of being a portfolio manager. So it's obviously a pretty extreme time. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think the, the potential for downside is, is still very real and very, you know, but like you said, uh, Brian, we don't really know. And we could have, maybe we have reached the bottom. Uh, actually, and just looking at today, the, the markets are rallying back a little bit today. So, um, you know, there's really no way for us to predict the future, you know, what will happen. So we're just following the trends. And, you know, yeah. if we see the markets continue to move, we'll, we'll start to, to dip our toes back in the water. Exactly. So we wait and we watch, we see. We'll get more evidence. We'll report back to you on the moves we're making. And those who are four-star clients, obviously, will see it happening in their portfolios for those who have the protection mode. But it has worked uh, very, very well, again, uh, this period where all of our risky asset portfolios are down less than half the market. We even have one portfolio, our dynamic model, which picked up the move in commodities. It was different than the 2020 market collapse where there wasn't a move in commodities. But this time, because of oil prices and grains and other related uh, commodities. That portfolio is up single digit, about seven, eight percent for the year. So uh, many investors have not done near as bad as the market with us. And we think that the downside protection is the most important thing. Um, you can destroy an entire decade worth of stock portfolio gains in one bear market down 40 and 50 percent. And just by way of review, if you're down 50 percent from the high, you have to double your money. And if you think about how long it takes to double your money in the stock market on average, it's about 10 years. So we want to avoid that. We want to avoid the 30s, the 40s, and the 50% declines. If we can keep the decline to anywhere from the 10 to 20% range at the most, then investors can, can handle that over the next couple of years. The markets can rally and they can make some of that back, but it won't take decades to do it. So the declines really matter. But Chris, turning to the economy, the economy is waning. Um, it may not be in recession yet, but there's a, a, a pretty good likelihood that it is. And a recession is just two quarters in a row of negative growth. We've already had one quarter of negative growth. That was the first quarter. So unless the next three weeks are more robust than what we've seen, there's a, there's a decent likelihood that this is also a negative quarter. And then we're going to have an officially a recession, but it might be a mild one. Some are saying we're going to have a bad one in 2023. Some are saying it's going to happen now. We just wait and we watch and we'll see what happens. Um, Chris, you had some economic statistics to run through with us, didn't you? Kind of a lot to uh, unload there. Um, let me pull them up real quick. Uh, US, so um, a lot of stuff came out and I'll kind of try to clump it together in, in categories to kind of keep it uh, you know, reasonable. Retail sales came out. They rose to a seasonally adjusted 0.9% in April from March. So um, kind of what you were mentioning, Brian, there's been mixed. Some have still been positive. I say one of the one of the positive aspects, which um, I think is going to be a driver on, you know, if we are going to have a recession, when is it going to occur? It has been retail sales, has been spending. Um, and, you know, we're always lagging by a month or two. Uh, but those numbers still look pretty strong. I think the May and June numbers are going to be more telling. Uh, but once again, U.S. retail sales rose. Those still look strong. Uh, consumer prices rose, uh, which is inflation 6.3% in April uh, from a year earlier. Uh, the positive aspect of that is actually down 6.6% uh, from the March reading or from 
uh, 6.3 from 6.6. So it dropped 0.3% from the March reading. So we're seeing a slight slowing of inflation, uh, but the core PCE index, which is the, what the Fed looks at, and that excludes uh, volatile categories such as food, energy, uh, that increased 4.9% uh, year over year in April, and that was down from down from 5.2% year over year in March. So uh, that's positive. Um, you know, inflation slowing is, is a, hopefully a good sign. Obviously, it needs to slow a whole lot more. People are still feeling it, and it could accelerate, but um, hopefully it's peaked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the job market continues to remain strong. Uh, employers had an estimated 11.4 million job openings through late May. So um, still an extraordinary amount of jobs in, out there. The unemployment rate uh, remained at 3.6%, which is uh, right right near where we were at right before the pandemic hit, which was 3.5%. Uh, so um, the job market continues to be really strong. Uh, we're seeing some good signs of inflation slowing potentially, uh, and spending has been up. So there are some positive aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. durable goods orders rose 0.4% in April. Uh, that was driven up mostly by aircraft uh, aircraft orders. Uh, when you exclude the defense aircraft orders, it rose 0.3%, so a little bit more modest there. Uh, I think one of the things that has been in the spotlight, especially with rising interest rates, has been uh, the real estate market. So pending home sales fell 3.9% in April from March. Um, a lot of that was due to tight inventories. You have very little inventory on the market as people are um, not really looking to maybe put their place in the market or sell due to higher interest rates now. Uh, the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index rose 20.6 year over year in March uh, from 20% annual rate in February. So what we're seeing is, even what the, you know, the news is even reporting is Home sales are falling, and that is true just because inventories are so low, but we have yet to really see a dip in home prices. Those continue to rise. Yeah. And actually, the, the median existing home price uh, rose 14.8% in April year over year to $391,200. And that's a record high since 1999 when they began tracking. Amazing. So, you know, the, the real estate market is kind of, it's almost in a conundrum, right? We're seeing a, a slowdown of transactions occurring, uh, but prices have, have not alleviated yet. Yeah. Um, and then uh, mortgage rates kind of continuing on that. One positive sign is they dropped uh, for the second week in a row uh, towards the end of May. So they kind of peaked beginning of May at 5.3%. Uh, and um, last they dropped down, they were more settling around 5.10%. Um, uh, so that's mm-hmm. positive. And, and what we're seeing there is a kind of a stabilization uh, in the mortgage rates. And that's positive for the overall market. When you have volatility in the fixed income markets, uh, which we've seen a lot of uh, this year so far, uh, it, it causes a lot of uncertainty. Sure. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention, um, the national average price for a gallon or a regular unleaded gas hit $4.62. as uh, reported by AAA. That's $1.58 higher than a year prior and 12% above uh, the pre-2020 high of $4.11, or 2022 high, sorry, of $4.11 in 2008. Um, And I will remark on that, um, I was on a call yesterday with uh, an associate uh, in California 
you said in Los Angeles, gas a gallon of gas was going for seven between seven and seven fifty a gallon, which is pretty crazy. It is crazy. Well, and that, and that inflation, Chris, you know, is obviously something that is a risk for the economy. We've already seen um, investors take money out of savings. Consumer numbers continued strong in April. We haven't received numbers yet for May, mm-hmm. but we'll get them very soon. But um, some of the spending, it, it's clear, is now coming from savings. And we've also seen a rise in credit as well as people are putting more in their credit cards. So eventually, uh, something's got to give there. And hopefully, hopefully that people don't get over levered and they and they take away too much of their savings. So, but as of now, we haven't seen a big consumer decline. Chris mentioned home prices continue to rise. That's inventories. Uh, there's not many car, not many houses out there. Uh, and then you know, inflation in a lot of other areas as a result of oil and a result of uh, the supply uh, chain issues from the pandemic that are still here. So I don't think we've seen this combination of strangeness in the economy ever in American history. Uh, We've only recovered from a pandemic once, and that was 1918. And we really didn't have the kind of financial markets that we have now. So, um, you know, they say this time is different and and people debunk that. But there are some differences this time, for sure. You know, know, we've not dealt with inflation since the 70s. We didn't have a pandemic in the 70s. We didn't have them both together. Uh, So a lot of strange things. The retail stocks, though, Chris, are reflecting a slowdown. Retail stocks got slaughtered. Um, Real estate sales have been slow, as you mentioned. uh, And we're seeing some of their signs of a tough economy and a negative quarter, but still decent job growth in certain areas, although technology firms are starting to lay people off. So, um, and then they're getting hit the worst and that's reflected by their stocks. Um, The labor force participation rate is at all time lows. So that means a lot of people that wouldn't normally work and come back to work in those 11 million jobs, Chris, you mentioned that are open. They're not coming to work for a number of reasons. And, And many economists think that as people uh, spend time at home, many people might be retiring early and not really uh, disclosing that. Uh, there are a lot of folks that are not working and maybe they just got used to not working. So we developed some either different habits or different views of work. Uh, so there's this big gap between all the people that are not working and all the jobs that are open. So uh, we'll see how that all ends up playing out. Um, and then there was a discussion all about, also about how inflation was transitory all through last year. And uh, now Janet Yellen admits that uh, she was wrong about inflation, didn't understand this would unleash uh, such a bad inflation, uh, all the spending. Uh, Many people think that she did know it and she was just playing politics. Uh, I'll leave that up to the listener to decide that. But nonetheless, um, now they're admitting that they were wrong about inflation and it's a huge huge problem. Uh, So, the economy has got many different inputs, as you mentioned, Chris. Uh, it's kind of all over the board right now, generally going higher, but certain negative things that are coming in. So we'll see what the next month brings and how the markets react to it. Um, yeah. right. you know, Chris. So, um, and what we see out there, India has stopped exporting grain, and that's one way to keep grain prices uh, lower at home. As you keep all the grain home instead of selling it overseas. Maybe we could have done that with our oil markets, but instead we're uh, choosing to, um, you know, buy oil from our enemies, uh, helping them prop up their economies while 
Um, we could create 100 to 200,000 jobs with pipelines uh, and other drilling activity if the permits were agreed to uh, in America. But yeah, instead of uh, favoring Americans in the American oil industry, we're favoring uh, foreign nations in their oil industry um, because uh, if we don't do it, the oil prices could be $10 a barrel. And so um, it's really, I think that's quite a, an error. It's a mistake in, in reasoning as far as the administration goes. Uh, we should be favoring American oil sources, but uh, there's political reasons why they're not. So we'll see where that happens. Um, you know, now there's other interesting things going out in the economy. Uh, Chris, you you were uh, going to talk about as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, in a broad, um, broader view, you know, Inflation's not just impacting the U.S. The eurozone inflation numbers came out, and then it, it reached 8.1 percent annually in May, uh, which was a major acceleration from 7.4 percent in um, April and March. So, uh, once again, I think it's important to note. That, I mean, this isn't just a, a United States issue. It's really been a global issue, and we've had really cheap money globally for uh, really since 0809. Um, and so we're just starting to kind of see that impact rise. And um, obviously the um, EU is dealing with several there. I think they're feeling a little bit more of the impact from the Ukraine conflict and war going on there with, with Russia and all that. Uh, but then this week as well, the U.S. unveiled a new pact with uh, Taipei, the capital of Taiwan, to forge closer economic ties with the country. Uh, so it includes trading, supply chain support, and all other stuff. So uh, we're starting to try to kind of reinforce, and a lot of this comes with tension with uh, China. I think we're trying to kind of a prop up some of our uh, a major suppliers. Taiwan is a huge semiconductor supplier, and that has been a major issue um, with this pandemic, caused a lot of shortages. So it's good to see we're, we're starting to kind of uh, branch out. Hopefully, uh, a support Taiwan if if there's any military action that happens, and b um, you know continue to forge closer ties with them. Uh, but then uh, beyond that, what we're seeing out there is uh, buy now, pay later is really starting to implode. Um, we're seeing a, they're starting to see a lot of rising delinquencies uh, and the interest rates are starting to really squeeze the bottom lines of these companies. Uh, so what really was uh, almost a phenomenon, I mean, I think it came out of nowhere. Everyone started seeing, at least personally I did, I started seeing this, hey, you know, instead of paying $200 for this, why don't you just pay us, you know, five different payments or five payments of, you know, $40 and we'll call it even, um, you know, and a lot of that you were paying more for it, but you're paying it over several payments. And um, it worked, I think in the short term, but I think a lot of people figured it out. And, um, you know, now we're starting to see that kind of uh, blow up, if you will. The other yeah. thing we're seeing is uh, formula shortages, which continues to worsen in the U S uh, nationally, 23% of the powdered baby baby formula was out of stock on um, May 22nd towards the end of May. Uh, so it continues to worsen, and, and it's been really bad. And, I, you know, it hasn't been handled necessarily as well as it should have. It should have been, um, I think there should have been better planning done by the government to hopefully alleviate this, especially with the plant closure that occurred. It should have been able to kind of see this coming down the pipeline, really. Uh, but on the positive side of it, uh, Danone, uh, French food giant, said that it was going to fly in about half a million cans of its specialized medical formula uh, for babies that need those specialized formulas. They can't drink just, you know, generic or regular formula. So uh, hopefully, I know the plant is starting to get up and running. So hopefully in the next couple of months, that uh, shortage will start to uh, loosen up a little bit. Um, and then uh, GM kind of talking about, we were talking about GM plans to convert a Buick, their Buick lineup 
in the U.S. to all electric by 2030. Uh, so we continue to see this electric car uh, revolution, and I'm sure it's only going to get driven more and more with the oil prices being how ridiculous they are now. But um, you know, we're continuing to see uh, car manufacturers pivot to the electric um, marketplace. And then, uh, lastly, the last thing I'll mention is uh, on the labor market uh, with the summer heat waves, a lot of families. We're looking to go maybe to go to their uh, community pools or local pools and cool off, uh, realizing that the pools are closed because of shortages with lifeguards. So um, a lot of pools around the U.S. couldn't open this year in the summer because they couldn't find adequate employer, employees uh, for lifeguards. So uh, we continue to have a shortage on lifeguards going on right now, mm-hmm. too. Well, Chris, you know, one of the other interesting proposals that's come up in this economy um, after dozens and dozens of examples of price controls not working, there we are again with proposals to control prices. Uh, and uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who is a socialist-leaning uh, senator from Massachusetts, is proposing very loudly and using it, obviously, as a political uh, tool to attack the rich and get more taxes and raise taxes and that kind of thing. So uh, she's proposing to set prices for excessive gouging determined by, yes, you guessed it, Elizabeth Warren. So um, one thing politicians tend to do is whenever they have a policy prescription, uh, they often will make a prescription that leads to them having more power. And that's clearly what's going on here. Uh, although Richard Nixon, Republican president in the early, seven, early 70s, tried price controls as well. And anyone who was around then might remember the buttons, the win buttons, whip inflation now, W-I-N, and uh, of course, it didn't work. And uh, uh, you can't distort the forces of supply and demand. If you lower the price, then then people will demand it even more. Then there will be huge shortages. So price mechanism is designed to moderate the flow of the commodity based on the availability. And that's why there's an equilibrium price um, uh, between the supply and demand. And that's what pricing is. So Nixon admitted it was a failure. Even President Maduro and in Venezuela, after he took over from Hugo Chavez passing away, uh, came to the realization that price controls are destroying his country. So the, even they got rid of the price controls. Any economist uh, will tell you also, of course, that price controls don't work. We, we, can't, um, we can't put a finger on the scale of, of the, 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 uh, uh, the hand of fate that pushes prices up and down based on supply. So um, none, nonetheless, they're trying it again. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of, we think it's a rather stupid idea, to be frank with, with you. Um, the, other, the other really big concern here that hopefully doesn't rear its head that we have is about the boogie, the big boogeyman and existential issue is the national debt. We're up now over $30 trillion um, the, in the balance sheet of the federal government. Um, the Federal Reserve has almost $9 trillion and they've been putting so much money in the economy, causing inflation. So now we've got to let some of that burn off. We've got to let that balance sheet go down. Uh, we had um, eight years under President Bush. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, national debt went into the eight trillion. By the time uh, President Obama took over, he took it another ten trillion higher. And now under Trump and then Biden and the pandemic, we're over thirty trillion. So this has all happened in the last couple of decades, and it really needs to stop. Um, now we could support 30 trillion in debt, even if interest rates go a little bit higher, as long as our economy continues to grow faster. So our debt can't dr- grow faster than a certain percentage of the economy. 
And that's really the measurement. So we're um, above where we were historically, and we need to get that back down. So, Chris, is there anything else in the economy that you want to talk about today? No, I think that covers it. Well, well, the good news is that Tom Cruise came out with a movie, uh, the new Top Gun movie. And for the first time, Tom Cruise had a $100 million opening weekend. Uh, so that's good news. So uh, a lot of the things about an economic society and American society are going back to normal. People are going back to theaters. Uh, but unfortunately, there's also a popcorn shortage because of all the pandemic issues still. Uh, there's popcorn shortage, the buckets, the fake butter, all the things that you get at a theater. There's still some supply chain issues there. But nonetheless, people are still going back. And you mentioned the issue of lifeguards, Chris, right? There's no, mm -hmm. not enough. So. It's a fun summer, right? The summer, it's going to be the, the summer of shortages, right? Everyone wants to go do all this stuff. And there's not enough, uh, not enough employees out there that want to go work. Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago calls it the summer of joy. So we'll see if she's right. And we'll see if it, it turns out to be the summer of joy. This will be the first quote unquote normal summer since 2019. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, we uh, did put out a bunch of very interesting blog posts in the last couple of weeks. We have a number of, of really fascinating podcast interviews as well. You can see all that on fourstarwealth.com on the, on the Today's Market Explained. Um, the, the blogs, and then also on the Leadership Matrix blog post right on the main page. So be sure to look at those and sign up so you can get regular updates of the, the blog posts and then all the podcast interviews like we do now. We also have a new series that I wanted to alert everyone to called the Financial Advisors Workshop. Now, Chris and I are financial advisors, and we have 22 financial advisors at Four Star Wealth, and we all are practitioners in how we run our practice so we're interviewing financial advisors, and those podcasts and videos are also available on TikTok, on Instagram, and all the other same services, as long with, along with the podcasts on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other services as well. So if you want to hear financial advisors talk about their practice and how they serve clients, it's some interesting things folks can talk, can talk about. So um, Chris, um, with... Uh, you know, with all the uh, excitement of the summer coming on and uh, hopefully not too bad of an economy, uh, we'll, maybe we'll sign off right there uh, for until we have the next episode of the Four Star podcast and video series. So um, if that's all we got today, Chris, let's uh, let's call it a day for the next episode. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today on the Four Star Today's Market Explained uh, podcast. And we'll be back in the next episode very shortly. Uh, let's everybody have a great summer. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns with the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download our free guide on the 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with anyone you think will also find value and benefit from this. And please follow Today's Market Explained on TikTok, 
Instagram and YouTube to see all the short video clips covering the most valuable moments from today's episode. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to tell you everything we're seeing in the financial investment markets. This podcast is provided by Four Star Wealth Advisors for the general uh, public and general information purposes only. The information is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and investors should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four Star is an SEC registered investment advisor, maintains a principal business in the state of Illinois. The firm may only transact business in states in which it's notice filed or qualifies for a corresponding exemption from such requirements. For information about Four Star's registration status and business operations, please consult the firm's Form ADV disclosure documents, the most recent versions of which are available on the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. Thank you.